0: Welcome to another edition of AUHSD Future Talk. I am proud to be your host today, I'm Jaren Freed, proud Assistant Superintendent of Educational Services for the Anaheim Union High School District, and today I'm honored to actually be flipping the script and interviewing our very own Superintendent, Mr. Michael Matsuda. Welcome. And then our long-term, long-time friend and partner, educational consultant, professor at Stanford University, along with retired principal and educator at a comprehensive school site setting, Dr. David Brazier. Welcome to the AUHD Future Talk, gentlemen.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here, Jen. so Yes, thank you. It's a
2: pleasure.
0: I'm excited to be speaking with you today. The two of you wrote an incredible book, Educating for a Purposeful Life, a blueprint, if you will, on how schools can make uh, whatever initiative they, they have real for, for their students and their families. So I want to just begin as we talk about this great book that the two of you wrote together, Mike, for you first, what inspired you to write this book?
1: Well, I think that we have positioned our district as a leader in developing a new North Star for education. And Jared, you and the entire team has been part of this and becoming a designated state demonstration site for community schools, as well as a national site, really in terms of hosting so many hundreds of visitors that have come in to learn about our North Star, which uh, we talk about in this book. And I'm really happy to be partnering with uh, David Brazer on this.
0: David, what about you? In, in the introduction, you said without hesitation when Mike asked you to be a part of the book, I'm all in. Tell me, tell me why.
2: Well, I had been working with uh, all the good folks in Anaheim for a couple of years by that point and was seeing some of the um, really amazing programs that had been started there. And um, what was going through my mind is that as a principal, 25 or 30 years before, I had tried to do things like making sure that all my kids graduated with a sense of purpose um, and and making meaningful pathways in addition to college entrance. Um, But I was really very limited in my success. And um, when I looked at what was going on in Anaheim and I saw the possibilities when there's a whole system behind those kinds of efforts, I was just really intrigued and excited by the results we were seeing. So when Mike invited me to join with him in writing a book, I, I was all in because I wanted to tell this story. I think it's an amazing story.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I would, I would agree And having been privileged enough to be a part of the, the journey in the story. Uh, it is incredible. I'm glad people are going to get to see a little bit of a glimpse in terms of what we've been able to do uh, with and for our students and communities. You know, as I think about what's happening in this world without getting into the dynamics, um, I think more than ever, um, education matters. Um, Can you talk a little bit about um, why this book would be so important in helping districts better wrap their head around the urgency behind um, our world as educators and what we can do to help really preserve the democracy in this world and the good that still is is left?
1: Well, Jaron, as you know, that even prior to the pandemic, students were beginning to question the value of education, even value of college, because of the rising costs in tuition, uh, it's taking too long to get a bachelor's degree, and there are too many underemployed college graduates. So there seems to be a growing disconnect um, between the, the the purpose of education and um, what's at the end of the rainbow, which. For our generation, we believed in public education and we were successful because of it. But I think for me too, it's very personal. As the son of Japanese Americans who were interned during World War II, who lost their freedom as citizens, I think that arguably this country is at an inflection point in the 250 year old experiment called democracy is really under threat. And I think that it comes down to what Linda Darling Hammond would say is the lack of emphasis on whole child education resulting in whole adults. I think that there are too many adults that are not uh, believers in education and in learning and uh, do not have the skills to differentiate fact from fiction and in fact are driven more and more by, by hate and otherness and the very uh, types of uh, finger pointing that ended up putting my parents in internment camps and ended up uh, with the Jim Crow world and the whole uh, civil rights unrest. I think we are truly at another inflection point.
0: Dave, is there anything you want to add?
2: I think that I agree with everything that Mike said. And um, in addition to that, if we, want our students to build a better world. We always look to the next generation and say, they're going to build a better world. We have to first recognize that they don't understand what the world is out there. And the role of secondary school is to help students to see more clearly the world that they're living in, where the opportunities are, and where the challenges are. And then I think to to help them develop the skills, knowledge, and dispositions that will actually empower them to build a better world. And, And I think that's what Anaheim is all about. And that's why I think it's so inspiring.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, Mike, I know you referenced just moments ago, but also throughout your book, the new North Star, right? Can you talk a little bit about the new North Star for Anaheim Union High School District and how that's going to help transform education?
1: So we call it the Career Preparedness Systems Framework. And really that is grounded in the research uh, behind the transformation around the disconnect between jobs, the fact that there are so many young people, especially low-income people of uh, color, that have not attained the quote, American dream. I think that the other component of the CPSF as we call it is the lack of emphasis on purposeful education. What is my purpose? What is a student's purpose in life so that they can really ground themselves and motivate themselves and using education for themselves rather than the other way around. Uh, And so the other piece is an emphasis on, um, again, whole child education. We call it the five C's, critical thinking, creativity, communication, um, collaboration, and really the most important is compassion. Uh, And that's really about self-compassion and self-love. So the, the, the third component um, is an emphasis on the, the standards, the teaching standards, but also the career uh, pathways, including dual credit. So really three interlocking components, uh, which we call the Career Preparedness Systems Framework.
0: I'm curious, David, from your perspective, someone um, from, from research at Stanford, someone who's been a consultant working with other districts, how do you see this new North Star, our CPSF, or the Career Preparedness System Framework, really impacting the transformation?
2: I think the most important thing to focus on is that what's contained in the CPSF is a completely different approach compared to the status quo. So we've been living with uh, test scores as sort of the the, the goal for a long, long time. And what the CPSF lays out is the fact that, number one, achieving high test scores is in no way related to lifetime success. It's just a measure of what people think is important for you to have done, um, and it isn't necessarily important. And And so what's in, what you do need to recognize is that you can't get to a different place by focusing on the old status quo. You can raise test scores as much as you want to, but you're not going to change the kinds of challenges that are presented in, with an uncertain labor market, with lack of social mobility, and so on. And so the most important piece for me in this CPSF is that it articulates a completely changed status quo. Um, and I think that the excitement that I feel is that there's a lot of evidence that, 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 that it has changed within the district and that kids are graduating better prepared to work, to thrive, to contribute to their communities, and so on.
0: Absolutely. So we've talked about the North Star. We've talked about the need for the transformation. As you know, the challenge with educators in general is not the what, it's the how. And this book is a beautiful blueprint or playbook in terms of how you might take a vision and make it real. You know, Mike, one of the things that we talk about is systems work. We also talk about the work of Peter Senge where he talks about this perceived reality versus the reality. Can you talk a little bit about those concepts and how this helps frame the way that you make this work real in an institution like a school district or a school site?
1: I think oftentimes um, that is a a problem when you're talking about transforming systems. And as David said, the the uh, you're always dealing with folks that are embedded in the status quo within these institutions. So what happens when you try to bring in a new way of doing things, oftentimes the, um, the status quo is, hey, we're already doing that. Or, you know, we, we've already reduced standardized testing. We only, we only test three times a year rather than, you know, five times a year. And I, I think that's uh, very, it takes a lot of humility. Um, Fred Kaufman calls it ontological humility versus ontological arrogance. It takes humility to really um, have that self-awareness, have that organizational awareness that um, your reality may not be the reality and that uh, you've got to be able to see the tension between that perceive the reality and the reality of, of, of change? And where are you on, on the spectrum of change? Um, uh, and so we do spend uh, a significant amount of time talking about systems change and using different types of metaphors so the reader can really grasp what we're talking about. David? Yeah, yeah David.
2: Yeah, I want to make try to draw out a very specific example. Um, you imagine uh, a student, um, a run-of-the-mill student, earning Cs and Bs. And uh, the idea is that we, we want that student to ha- um, experience a career and technical education pathway. In most schools, they would kind of be placed in whatever was available, wouldn't necessarily have much choice, and would kind of muddle through, maybe get turned on, maybe not. I think the difference in Anaheim is that, number one, uh, you've changed the system so that there's a huge range of career and technical education courses to take. And there are, there are specialized courses at each of the high schools as well. Um, but most important, they reflect the current and future labor market uh, to a much greater extent than you would see in most districts. So how does that happen? Well, you've worked with various systems, the community colleges to help with teaching, uh, community partners that provide Um, information about what the world of work is like in, let's say, artificial intelligence or biotechnology. And you therefore open doors to kids that wouldn't normally be opened and can't be opened by the school or the district acting alone. So that's where I think, you know, kind of the rubber meets the road on systems thinking and actually getting the work done. And what it produces, in my view, uh, one of the most exciting things that it produces is the connection from taking courses in my high school to getting mentored by somebody who's actually doing the work that I'm learning about, to maybe even having an internship where I get to do the work that I've been learning about. To me, that's a completely changed status quo approach to uh, thinking about how do we prepare kids for careers?
0: You know, you bring up a great point, David. Um, I think about the Anaheim collaborative, right? I mean, we have systems at the site level, right? Cabinet, site leadership teams. We have late starts where departments get together to review student work. Um, We have district systems at the district level in terms of how we onboard principals and assistant principals, department chairs, right? A lot of systems that we talk about. But Mike, can you speak to the Antim Collaborative? Because I think without the Antim Collaborative, a lot of this doesn't occur. Um, And it's such a powerful system that I think districts can learn from in terms of how they make this work real for their communities.
1: Yeah. So you just described two levels of the three level chess uh, that we Use as a metaphor, you know, the first level being the site, second level being the district, third level is that collaborative, uh, the community level. I don't think we can move a system without our uh, collaborative partners in higher ed, community college, uh, Cal State Fullerton, UC Irvine, as well as all of our business partners. Um, and that's part of the new way of looking at education. No longer is it just one schoolhouse or one school or one district. It's, it's really a, a horizontal as well as vertical reach. And so a student now has access to a tremendous amount of options, uh, gr- hopefully grounded in purpose and voice and agency. So this the book does talk about the importance of, of building a collaborative because we can't do it alone. And I think going back to this uh, the notion of Perceived reality and, and and what is reality? Um, the another example is just the shift that we made to uh, dual credit, right? And that um, folks again defending the status quo, saying that we can't do that. And um, actually, Jaron, it was you who uh, really uh, broached that with our um, our teachers union or other uh, uh, stakeholders to help make that understand uh, make. A win-win, uh, make lemonade out of uh, out of lemons, right, and to make that work. But it did take a change in people's mental models.
0: Absolutely. You know, we often say begin with the end in mind. Uh, you know, Mike, can you share maybe a student or two story, right, in terms of how what, what has been built here in our district, Anaheim Union High School District, led to a student maybe – in changing the trajectory of their life, Um, because I know you meet with students all the time. Can you share maybe a story or two where our model, this practice, the way that we approach this work, made a lasting impact on their life?
1: You know, we talk about a number of students in the book, um, Anthony Gomez being one one of the first to graduate with two dual credit uh, courses in cybersecurity uh, from Cypress College and with a high school diploma getting hired at uh, Hulu for $65,000, $70,000 a year um, there and, and whose father worked as a day laborer um, and, and I mean, completely changing the trajectory in less than one generation of, uh, of a son of really low income immigrants recently at one of our visits uh, with the New Mexico educators We um, learned of a young man, um, again, he's still in high school, but who has created an an app um, that can help um, folks in the neighborhood identify grocery stores or places to get organic foods. I mean, mean, because, you know, one of the challenges is we're trying to solve food deserts and urban spaces. And his mom is, um, works as a, uh, house cleaner at one of the motels. You know, again, uh, I mean, completely changing the trajectory of low-income immigrants. And finally, I would say that Raj Chetty from Harvard, who talks about uh, finding the uh, lost Einsteins in our own communities, I think that our district is on a, on our way to doing just that and creating these opportunities for innovation and in what otherwise would be um you know, just test prep deserts. Right. And I think we have completely upended that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. David, are there any final thoughts that you'd like to share? Yes. I'm glad you asked me
2: for that because what occurs to me as I'm listening to this is I have, I have a big wish for every single educator in AUHSD. And that wish is that at a minimum, they would read chapter four and the appendix to learn about all of the different programs, not all of them, but many of the different programs that are available to kids in schools. And once they've read that, I want them to ask themselves, what can I do to make those opportunities available to more kids? Because I think that's the big challenge going forward is we've got these great programs, but how do we get more kids into through, and through them to create stories like Anthony Gomez or the student who's created his own app? and all the fine work at the mac and so on they're so inspiring and it needs to be with more and more kids
0: yeah and you know you, you speak to something that made, that i was thinking about as i read the book uh yes it's a call to action because we always quote maya angelo know better do better right um but i also couldn't help but think as i was reading this book um just the pride that i felt um in terms of revisiting the journey and and the pride for our teachers um, our counselors, our administrators, our district office staff, our ed division. There's so many people that contribute to the great work that this book speaks about. And um, it really is an incredible journey, but I also know there's still a hunger in the district uh, to do better and to do more. Um, so I would encourage everyone from our district who's watching to get your copy and read and be inspired by what you collectively have built and know that you are transforming education. To our friends who are watching that aren't within the AUHC system. I would encourage you, again, to get the book because it's an opportunity to learn. And I'm not saying you have to do it our way, but there's implementation strategies and there's processes to be learned that can help you live out your North Star, whatever that might be. So, Mike, I I can't thank you enough. David, I can't thank you enough for being a part of this interview today. I'm grateful that I got the opportunity to interview the two of you on this this latest version of the AUHC Future Talk. And again, I appreciate you capturing the, the journey I uh, thought it was really well done. Uh, and again, it's it's exciting to know what we've been able to accomplish, but it's also exciting to know what's still on the horizon. Uh, so with that, gentlemen, thank you so much for spending uh, time with me this, this afternoon. Um, I appreciate the two of you very much.
2: Thank you, Jared. Many thanks to both of you. Thank you.